Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. On this episode, we dig deep into the past of one of the world's epicenters of brewing. I sit down with Andreas Krenmeier, author of the newly released Historic German and Austrian Beers for the Home Brewer. This is a special two-part episode because once we started talking, well, we really couldn't stop. In this episode, we'll dive deep into Andreas' background as a brewer, what caused him to go archive diving, and what sorts of things he uncovered. So sit back and get ready to learn. But first, a message from our sponsors. Do you own a copy of John Palmer's How to Brew? If so, you know it's one of those truly indispensable resources for brewers. Well, it's time to replace that old dog-eared copy, because our friends at Brewers Publications have just published the fourth edition of How to Brew, and it's a totally new book. The new How to Brew clocks in at 600 pages, and every chapter has been updated and expanded, and there are five totally new chapters to boot. So grab your copy at your preferred beer book vendor, or buy it from the Brewers Association store if you want to get the book and support craft breweries at the same time. More info at BrewersPublications.com. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring Artisan Malt House Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout. Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. You know me. I like talking weird beer styles and things that people have forgotten about. And yeah, I'm not I'm not really that in depth on my German knowledge for whatever reason. So when I saw a new book being promoted all about forgotten German beer history, I kind of figured, hey, these are two things that I need to know more about. So I have on the line with me Andreas Krimmer. And Andreas, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Before we get into the book and some of the forgotten styles that you've uh, talked about in there, why don't you uh, tell people a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and how you got into good beer. So I'm originally from Austria. Um, I've, I've lived in Linz by the River Danube, if anybody knows that, for, for roughly 23 years. Um, and then nine years ago, I moved to Berlin for job reasons, met my wife here, I'm now living here. Um, I work in IT, I, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nerdy on, on that side. That never that never happens with beer people. 
And particularly beer people who feel uh, driven to write a book. Never. Beer has, you know, the, the creative valve more more recently. So since I'm from, from Austria, um, beer in Austria is, is really a big thing. It's um, actually something people generally do not get nerdy about. It's it's basically everywhere. Um, so there, there, there are statistics about consumption per capita. Uh, and, and Austria is usually somewhere somewhere up in the top. So that the Czech Republic that is just north of Austria, uh, they, they, they usually beat us by, by quite a bit, but we're at about the same level as, as, as Germany. Um, but the, 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 like the overall beer scene is, or at least in the past, it has been rather uniform. So it's, it's large companies, uh, relatively uniform styles, mostly lagers, like not, not a great diversity. Um, but beer has really always been part of daily life socializing for whatever reason. I, when, when I started drinking, um, beer at the age of 16, which is the, the uh, legal drinking age in, in Austria. Um, I, I quite liked it as a, as a drink and I got more curious and I tried out more varieties as much as that was possible. I, I remember like one of, one of the early styles that, that uh, really fascinated me was, was uh, Bavarian Hefeweizen. Hefe um, and I just tried to find the, the less common ones um, and I, I found some really good ones, um, others that I didn't like so much, but it, it, it was just something that um, uh, absolutely fascinated me. Moved to Berlin in 2009. Um, I, I was a bit underwhelmed by the, the local beer. So craft beer at that time really wasn't around. There were a few brew pubs. So the, the main source of beer was just one standard pale lager in, in any bar, like a choice of 15, 20 beers in the supermarket that were essentially the same. And you would have the odd Hefeweizen, maybe a Schwarz beer. And at that time, there was like only a single Berlin-produced Berliner Weisse around, which was boring and bland and uh, not not really the, the thing for me. I'm surprised the Germans didn't kick you out of Germany for saying their beer was boring. I don't think I ever voiced it that openly. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was, it was still okay. The problem is that the, the overall quality, even for the, the absolutely cheapest stuff, is still okay. So, so it's 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 really a, a complaining at a very high level. It's it's a it's a difficult subject. The point where I really got more into this whole craft beer thing was I visited a, a, a school friend of mine who was originally from Austria um, in in New York City because he, he uh, lived and worked there um, at the time. It was in, in 2011 in the summer, and I had heard about IPAs before. And it was like this mythical American style new beer, completely strange and unusual. And that was, that was actually the, the the first time I actually had the chance to try it. It was it was a complete sensory overload. I, I remember I, I I couldn't really discern much flavors. I, I realized okay, this is completely unusual, and it's something that I that I liked. I, I tried a few beers simply that I that I found in bars. Um, I'm I, I'm actually proud to say that I didn't have a single uh, American macro lager because um, all, all the all the craft stuff that was around was pretty pretty good and I was really impressed. In in Berlin, I met my now wife uh, end of 2011. She's British, well uh, Northern Irish to to uh, be exact, and of course we went to the UK and she introduced me to British beer and that's where I learned to know cask ale. Really liked that that type of beer. It was it was quite unusual. Um, like from 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 the German or Austrian point of view, British beer is is associated with with uh, being warm and flat. Uh, but it's actually, it's actually not true. It's just you know slightly less carbonated and at a slightly higher 
cellar temperature. I, I, found, I found it quite easy to drink and, and even just the standard choice um, in, in any British pub is, is so much better. You, you get such a greater variety in, in flavors. And that, that, that was really, really exciting. Around that same time, craft beer in Berlin also became uh, quite quite popular. There was I wouldn't say exactly high, but there were small craft breweries popping up here and there. Some somebody started a craft beer meetup um, where we regularly visited new places. That that's where really got into into, into craft beers and, and more unusual styles. Um, then my my wife and I also tried out home brewing, which I found really fascinating. Um, we had the chance to to brew basically any style that we wanted, and I, I found it to be a, a really creative hobby, um, and I learned a lot. I, I just got more and more into it, and we visited more beer festivals. We even went to the UK. We met other homebrewers, so, so in, I would say, around 2013 was was the time when homebrewers in, in Berlin started meeting up. Uh, lots of expats, um, for, for whatever reason, Germans aren't really the, that much into into uh, brewing at home. Yeah, really, really the story, how I got into homebrewing itself and, and how, how I learned to love and appreciate good beer. I mean, I think, at least to my mind, homebrewing almost always seems to be born out of desperation. So either desperation for a new taste, you know, these styles that, that we couldn't get. Like here in the U.S., a lot of home, a lot of the homebrewers who really kind of kicked the hobby off in the 1970s, they all were or a good number of them at least, were returning military men who had spent time in, in Germany or in the UK or in other parts of Europe and went, oh, beer doesn't have to be this boring, bland stuff. They they started doing homebrewing just so that they could recreate those flavors that they had. So, I mean, I guess for, you know, a lot of Germans, you know, if, if German beer is what they want, then, you know, if, if they hadn't, if they hadn't been bitten by the, the craft beer bug, then I could see why that might not, you know, take the same sort of shape. So now what's your favorite style to actually brew? Hmm, uh, that's difficult to say. At the moment, um, I'm uh, I, I decided to to focus on on lager styles. So I, I uh, declared 2018 to be my personal year of lager beers. But in the in the past, I've brewed quite a lot of uh, English styles. I've done quite a few uh, bitters, best bitters. We've we've done a few barley wines. Um, always as a as a um, holiday season treat for the family. Uh, and that was always a big hit. I've, I've tried a few American IPAs. It's 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 not not the style that I would regularly brew because I don't I don't drink it that quickly and um, it it uh, goes goes old quite quickly in the sense that you know hop uh, flavors and aromas vanish. I still enjoy it as a as a um, as a style to to buy and drink. And I think probably yeah some some of the commercial examples are are better than what I could produced as an, as an as an american ipa well and, and now of course you also have stone there in berlin as well so if you if you had a jones you at least know one place you can go to get it uh, well they're 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 one of many um they're they're definitely the biggest and i would say they're the first ones that brought ipas to supermarkets it, that, that that was stone was was really the, the, the first brewery where you would suddenly see cans in, in your normal supermarket that previously only had uh, uh well your 15 lager beers that were all the same and suddenly, you know, two or three uh, cans from Stone. And uh, um, I, 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 appreciate, I appreciated that a lot. You're obviously into homebrewing and, as you said, a bit nerdy. And like most nerds, I assume a little obsessive when you come into a subject. So why don't you introduce the book 
and we'll talk about like you know really what motivated the book uh, before we actually break into some of the content. It's a bit of a clunky title, um, but I think it describes uh, the best what what the book is all about. It um, tells the story of German and Austrian beer, in particular um, historic events, um, beer regulation, and then the story of uh, Bavarian beer and the, and the German purity law, the Reinheitsgebot, that I think a lot of people know. It talks about ingredients like malt, like um, how and where were hops grown, which varieties were used, what was the yeast like, what water was used um, for for the brewing, how was the water treated, um, and with with uh, these basics, it then dis- describes specific uh, beer styles. Um, some of them are still around. Some of them are more of a niche, while some are, are just plain extinct. So I divided that up into into four sections. Um, the, the first one is, is Bavarian beer, um, where I describe the different local lager beer styles, starting with with the classic Munich lager beer, um, but also the um, a bit lesser known Munich winter beer. Um, I'm, I'm I'm talking about the, the Bamberg lager beer styles. I talk about uh, Augsburger beer. Um, and how each of these were were brewed, what what were the differences in the specific ingredients in mashing procedures. Besides that, the topic of lager beer, um, I'm also talking about uh, historic Bavarian white beers. So um, what people know as the Hefeweizen nowadays, which is brewed with at least 50% wheat malt, um, is is uh, it actually used to be a, a bit of a different beer, lower in alcohol, quite often. Um, brewed um, with with uh, barley only, uh, in particular if it if it was brewed for like the um, uh, rather poor uh, rural population. Um, so I think I think that's a, a quite interesting angle to that. Um, the second section is German, and by that I mean non-Bavarian or non non-Southern German uh, white beers, in particular sour white beers. So there, there are um, a few sour beer styles um, around. The most well-known nowadays are Berliner Weisse and Gose. Those are basically the remnants of a, of a much richer history of, of sour white beers uh, in the north of Germany. Um, and I also discuss um, one non-sour white beer style, which is uh, Grätzer beer, or uh, some, or most people probably know it as Pivo Grotiske, um, which is a, um, it's, it's actually more of a Polish style, but it, it, uh, used to be very, very popular in, in the north of Germany in the beginning of the 20th century. And it, it was brewed in Berlin until the 1970s. The third section is is, is German brown beers. Um, again, it, it, it's talking about uh, non-Bavarian stuff. Um, so there, there were different different dark beer styles, um, most of which are, are pretty much extinct. I would say they're quite unusual because they're, they're not at all what you you would expect from a, from a German beer. They use quite quite sometimes quite unusual herbs and spices. They are sometimes extremely highly hopped. While some some examples have absolutely outrageous original gravity, so that's one rather uh, unusual um, part of, of of German beer history. Um, and the uh, fourth section is is Austrian beers. There is actually like not such a comprehensive theme treat other than it being from austria um but it's it's just various beers that were brewed in 18th 19th century um austria that are very local for for the austrian empire 
Uh, one example uh, is, is Horner beer, which is a, is a, a beer brewed from 100% um, oat malt. Um, it was um, apparently one of one of Mozart's favorite beers. And, and another example, uh, what what's uh, in that section is is Corinthian stone beer, which is basically one of one of the remnants of possibly medieval brewing without kettles, without uh, boiling the wort. That's that's quite an unusual style as well. If you've um, ever heard of of the like the Norwegian farmhouse ales or uh, in in the in the Baltic states, it kind of goes in that direction, but it, it um, has a, a bit of a I would say specifically Austrian twist to it. And final part to uh, wrap uh, up the book is is a brief introduction into how to interpret uh, old recipes and a discussion of all the all the weird units that were around. One problem, of course, in in Germany was it it wasn't a single state it was a, a conglomerate of literally a hundred different states that constantly fought and uh, things went back and forth and everybody had to have their own uh, units of measurements and um, that can become quite an issue if you don't exactly know when a recipe was written or for which audience it was written and so uh, I, I had i just had to discuss that particular topic. It is always disconcerting when you uh, realize that how people talk about units and measurements and processes change, but all the recipes, since they're written by people who do it day to day, you know, it's all in shorthand effectively. So you ha as you look at back on that time, you have to kind of scratch your head and go, wait, what did they mean? What did they leave out? Because they read it, they, they would be writing it all the time. If you compare it to, to, to nowadays, just, just the confusion of U.S. customary uh, units and and uh, British imperial units, you know they they have the same name, but they're they're subtly different. If if, if you brew a, a, a British recipe with the assumption of it all being U.S. units, um, but the author of the recipe um, uh, used used the British units, it's it's just not going to work out. Well, it, it will probably still be beer; it just won't be the beer that you want. <laughs> it, in the end, it's always going to be beer, <laughs> which is the beauty of beer. So let's talk about how did how did this book come together, right? I mean, uh, you, I mean, you, you have a deep passion for this, but how does this get started? How does it become a concrete thing that now people can go to Amazon and buy? I've I've always been uh, interested in, in in history. Um, I was quite conscious about it, um, simply because I was surrounded by it in, in in Austria. So Linz, where where I come from, it has a continuous history of two thousand years. You really are confronted with that almost in daily life. I've got I've got a fantastic example. In the late '90s, they reconstructed the schoolyard, um, and there was a, a delay uh, in in that uh, in that uh, construction work um, because they they found some ancient Roman artifacts, and they had to properly uh, dig them up and uh, treat everything like an archaeological site. Um, it was some some pottery and some coins, um, but it was uh, you know just something that you would casually find more or less. That's just how it goes in Austria. And so I, I also realized at, at quite an early age um, how like old techniques and traditions are gradually getting getting lost. Like my, my grandfather, um, he used to be a baker. And uh, when, when I was younger, he, he show, showed me how to make Kaiser rolls. You know, Kaiser rolls with this distinct pattern. And there's a, there's a very specific technique how to do that by hand. Nowadays, it's all, of course, machines. I was really fascinated. And he said, nobody ever does that anymore. And, uh, you know, look at it and remember how, how to do it. Um, I, I mean, I, I still couldn't do the Kaiser rolls, but that 
that just kind of got stuck. Um, same same with with my grandmother. She did lots of baking, did it all by hands, um, did lots of manual work. She uh, like was a person that could still use a, a, a scythe to cut grass in the old fashioned way. That you know that, that that's the kind of things that, that are just dying out. In the specific context of of beer, I think it started um, when I got the the uh, IPA book written by Mitch Steele, um, which I, I think, by the way, is, is, is fantastic because it, it covers both the, the historic side of IPAs and modern modern recipes. I was especially fascinated by the by all the historic recipes, and uh, Mitch collected really a, a, a good bunch of of, uh, of interesting stuff. When I when I further looked into this, I'm, I've also found Ron Patterson's blog, and I later bought his book, The Homebrewer's Guide to Vintage Beer, um, which is a collection of like recipes taken straight out of historic brewing records from, from uh, British breweries. Also absolutely uh, fascinating to read. Just, just out of curiosity, um, I decided to Google for historic brewing books because you know maybe I could find something. And I initially found English-speaking ones. I think they were like from the... 18th century England, and I started reading them, and I, I started to understand what they're describing in these books is actually relatively similar um, to how I'm at home. And so I just kept reading and uh, tried to understand, okay, well, what were they doing back then? How am I doing things now? Is there maybe something to learn for me? Then later also found German language uh, brewing books. I found quite for quite a few more, and I read all of them, and I, I stumbled upon some some relatively concrete recipes. So uh, something that you could really work with, where you could say, okay, I'm, I'm actually taking this malt in in, in in this amount and that that much hops and this much water, and I'm going to use these temperatures, or at least I'm going to mix these volumes of um, uh, boiling and cold water, and you know I'm, I'm going to hit the right temperatures, and I'm going to use the same meshing techniques. Just collecting these these recipes and, and this information about these historic beer styles, it, it kind of got of an obsession. Just started taking notes, and just built up. And uh, then in, in uh, 2016, I sat down for a few weeks um, during my free time, always after I, I got home from work, um, and I properly wrote it down. Um, and uh, I, I published it for free as a, as a German language ebook. Which, compared to the, the English-speaking book that are, that are recently published, was was rather simple and um, not nearly as well researched. But I, I, I just put it out, and it, it was something you know. It, it hit a spot. I got loads of feedback from from uh, the local homebrewing scene, uh, and I, I was I was quite overwhelmed. And I, I also got several requests for for translating it into English. And so I thought, instead of just translating it, I I could take a step back and do it right and just focus on the German beers because that was something where you couldn't really find any literature uh, about it all. And I, I researched all these styles in a more structured way. Um, I collected more information. I tried to find more than one recipe for, for each of the beers if it was possible. And while well, going through, through all these historic sources, I just came across more and more beer styles that are in turn again researched for each of them uh, i was able to put together some some recipe um that that made sense in in the end i i ended up with 
with a with a book of um what is it i think 22 beer styles roughly 30 recipes some of which you won't find much at all uh, I, I thought yeah that's that's something um really worth communicating and really worth telling people um that there is or there was uh, a, a beer culture in germany that goes completely beyond what you've what you've previously known or what you would associate with with uh, the German stereotypes of beer. To my mind, at least, so much of what I know about German beer seems to be completely dominated by Bavarian tradition. And almost all this other stuff has just been lost over time. So I think it's really cool that you've, that you've managed to dig it up and compile it and put it into such a, an approachable fashion, particularly with some of these names that you, people may have heard about before, but I don't think really necessarily know anything about. I've got the feeling like I, you know, I only scratched the surface. That there, there are lists around of, of literally hundred or two hundred local beer styles. The only thing that I could find out about them was the name and and nothing else. That's something that's 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 really lost. Unless, of course, there's some information somewhere in some obscure archive. Well, and I was going to say, speaking of archives, I mean, looking at the sources that you used in here, I mean. You hit some of the things that people can commonly find, you know, like Google Books and Project Gutenberg, which are great resources online. But you also went to some great extents to find some other pieces that may not may not be as accessible. I basically went around all the um, state and city archives um, in in Germany that are accessible online. Quite a, quite a few have digitalized at least some of their content. Bavaria has has a, a state archive, state library. Munich has a, a city library on its own. They even they even have a specific section just on, for example, the Oktoberfest. Um, like re- really well done, really informative, and you you find a lot of a lot of things. The state of Berlin also has has their own library um, with with lots of um, brewing uh, related books, historic books. Then the the state of Saxony um, has something. Um, I found a few more university uh, libraries that that ha- had some stuff, like one or two odd books uh, I found on some some Polish library websites. Well, that that was a that was a, a, a very good source. Then I also got help through a fellow blogger. His his name is Benedikt Rausch. Um, he he even went as far as ordering a few books that were not available in uh, digital form and he scanned them himself. His Focus is, is more on Berliner Weisse and, and Gose, so uh, that, that like that's the that's the kind of books that uh, he was looking for. All, all the stuff he gave me like contained so much more um, and and lots of interesting stuff. Besides that, um, I also went to a local library. So there's the VLB Berlin, um, which is an old brewing research institute. But lots of people have uh, probably heard of Wein Stefan, which is let, let's just say the other old. Uh, brewing research institutes uh, in in Germany and like Berlin and Weinstefan, they 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 are the two big ones and uh, the VLB Berlin um, has a beer history club that is that is associated with it and that beer history club has been around for I think at least a hundred years um, and they have a, a huge library like it's it's an open library open to the public you can just go there during the opening hours and you you can go through all the books and. It's it's fantastic what what you can find there. Well, I was going to say if they have such an extensive library, there must be more information. Do you feel the itch to dive back in? Most definitely. I I don't know what my next project will be if there will be a next project. Um, 
but uh, if if there is, uh, it's it's definitely one of one of the places to go to. So, where can people find uh, find the book for sales if they want to be able to get it for themselves? At the moment, you can uh, buy the book on on Amazon um, as an as an ebook. I chose to publish it as an as an ebook because it was the the, the quickest thing to do um, and the, the easiest thing to do. Because of overwhelming feedback, I decided to uh, publish it as a, as a printed book, also through Amazon. So, um, like Amazon has this a print-on-demand service. You'll, you'll probably be able to, to, to um, buy it within, I would say, the next few days um, or the next few weeks at, at the latest, um, uh, also, also as a book. And we'll make sure to include a link uh, to both versions so that if people want, they can have the hard copy or they can have an ebook uh, copy. And ebook's nice because I, I bought it and started reading it 30 seconds later. It's, it's quite handy. If you have an ebook reader, you can always take it somewhere together with your 500 other books. Um, but people told me they they really prefer like a, something they can hold in their hands and also where they can like, write down notes in the book itself. Well, and, and books are a little less susceptible to damage than knee reader, <laughs> With, like in terms of being around beer. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, and also, um, like a, a colleague of mine said, it's cool to have it printed because then you can give it to people as a present. Something I actually hadn't thought about, but yeah, that's that's very true. Here, now read my brain. Yeah, I, uh, I've done that before. So uh, any any people that you want to give a shout out to uh, in terms of the book uh, before we start digging into a beer style? Yeah, basically everybody who, who helped proofreading. Um, so, um, and, and of course, uh, that, that encouraged me to, to, to do the project or con- to continue it. First of all, of course, my, my lovely wife who endured <laughs> um, all, the, all the book, uh, beer, uh, book nerdiness um, that went on for quite some time. Then, yeah, uh, Joe Stang, who uh, did one of the first proofreadings and gave me fantastic feedback. Um, then, yeah, Stan Hieronymus also um, helped proofread and gave me some good feedback. Um, Benedict Rausch, who I mentioned earlier, who provided me with some some very valuable uh, source material. Um, and, yeah, the, the nice lady at the VLB Berlin Library, I forgot her name, uh, who helped me use their uh, computer to uh, search for books. Um, before she had to grab it um, from from the library itself, um, that that was a, a big help as well, and everybody else um, who I forgot. Yeah, no, no book gets done by one one person, and yeah, usually there's also a, a partner on the other side who's going, "Why are you shut up in a room typing?" We're going to encourage everybody to uh, go out there and go buy the book. Like I said, we'll include a link to it uh, here on the podcast in the show notes. But why don't we? Uh, why don't we uh, just? dive into one of these comparisons, you know, uh, one of these sets of styles that people aren't necessarily going to uh, think about. Oops, we ran out of time. Well, I warned you, didn't I? Want to hear the rest? Well, you just need to sit tight. Episode 33 is right around the corner. But in the meanwhile, thank you for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this first part of our exploration of historic German beers. After listening to the episode, I'm sure it's no surprise that Andreas loves to dig in deep when he tackles the subject. In part two, we'll be exploring the brown beers of Bavaria and northern Germany, and, well, really just what happened to them and why they're not around anymore. So stay tuned. Remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com and drew at experimentalbrew.com. 
You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrewing forum out there. Now, don't forget you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. Click the Amazon AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is Habitat for Humanity, helping people build homes. Now, remember, like I said, part two is coming up. You get to dig in even deeper on some more beer styles. But until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files.